Hear now a reading from Exodus. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then God said, come no closer, remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. God said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask, What is God's name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. God said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. This is the word of the Lord. So by the end of Disciple One Bible study, you and your fellow classmates, you're pretty close. By that point, you've spent almost 34 weeks coming together for at least an hour and a half at a time to dig deep into Scripture, to have some meaty and meaningful conversations. The whole point of Disciple One Bible Study is for the purpose of studying Scripture so that it might transform you spiritually, so that it might grow you in your discipleship and deepen your commitment to follow Christ. So it makes sense that by the end of the study, you come together for one of those last meetings and you spend time sharing with one another the spiritual gifts that you have identified in yourself and in all of your classmates. It's an exercise to help us discern, perhaps, how God is calling us to serve right now. When we had that meeting of my class, I was stunned 
when my teacher and every person in the class said that they had identified in me the gift of prophecy and they thought that I needed to preach. Made me feel a little bit nauseous, actually. (laughs) I had barely become a regular churchgoer at that point. And I still had floating around in my head all kinds of negative messages that I had gotten from the church. Some of those I shared with you last week. Things like, women can't preach. I was mortified. I said to my class, but you don't get it. I don't know enough to preach. A few months later, I was standing on my front lawn. It was about this time of year. Michaela had just started kindergarten, and I had gone to pick her up from school, and we had just walked home. A neighbor of ours, whose child also went to that school, was driving past and saw us standing out there, and so she stopped to chat. In the midst of our conversation, we began to have a heated theological debate. And in the course of that conversation, I got just a little bit passionate about my understanding of God as someone who is endlessly gracious and extends love and forgiveness to all people without exception. She was a little stunned by my intensity. She was rendered speechless for just a moment, but then looked at me with sort of a strange look in her eyes and said, you know you're going to preach someday, right? Still sick. Sick to my stomach. But you just don't get it, I said to her. I haven't been going to church long enough. A few weeks after that, I was at a friend's house. This was a really new friend of mine. I had just met her in a Bible study at church, and we were hanging out one afternoon and having a discussion. We were talking about the Bible study that we'd been involved in together, and again, got into a pretty um, deep conversation. Partway through our conversation, she got up and walked away and came back a few seconds later carrying a book called Christian as Minister. It is the book that the United Methodist Church recommends that people read who are getting ready to discern a call to ministry. Remember, I talked to you about that process last week. She handed me the book and said, Tracy, I really think you need to read this. I think God is calling you. (laughs) But you don't get it. You don't really know me. You don't know me well enough to make that determination. Y'all, I had some really big butts. At Bishop's Convocation a few years ago... um, Reverend Laura Hykus, who is the pastor out at Bee Creek UMC, she preached on this scripture, and she pointed out to all of us that we all have a lot of butts. It's true. We have some really big butts. We learned a week ago, remember, that God calls every single one of us. God calls, uh, and we learned through Moses' call, that we are called to freedom. We're called to live in freedom. We're called to lead others to freedom. A freedom that we can only experience in our creator. God calls us and through us calls others beyond the wilderness where we can without distraction and attachment be in the presence of God who desires us so much that God burns for us. And we meet God's call so often, at least I do, with a litany of buts. I've heard the cries of my people, Moses. I've heard them crying beneath the oppression of the Egyptians. And I am going to deliver them. 
and I'm going to send you to do it. But who am I, God? Who am I that you would send me? I'm nobody. In fact, God, I am the worst possible choice. Moses was out beyond the wilderness because he had murdered a taskmaster who had been beating an Israelite, killed him, and stashed the body. Unfortunately, somebody saw him because Pharaoh knew about it and wanted his head. That actually seems like a pretty fair but to me. I think I would be running if that were the case. But Moses had a whole bunch of them. If you read beyond the text today, you'll find tons of buts. I'm going to send you to lead my people out of Egypt, Moses. But God, what if the Israelites don't believe me? But God, what if they don't listen to me? But God, I'm a terrible preacher. I mean, I have a speech impediment for crying out loud. Moses was freaking out. And he was absolutely terrified. At that point, he could no longer think creatively or rationally. I'm sure most of y'all know this, but when we feel anxious or threatened, our lower brainstem, it kicks into overdrive. And suddenly, we can't think rationally anymore. Our lower brainstem is where our survival instincts reside. And when we're scared, when something threatens us, those survival instincts kick into drive, and our frontal lobe where all of the creative and rational thought occurs is completely taken offline, cannot function at all. All we can do at that point is respond with fight, flight, or freeze. So Moses was acting exactly like he should have been. I mean, it's biological. We get so afraid, and suddenly, our butts are out of control. Let's take a look at some of them. I brought some flashcards to help us out. And I'm pretty sure that I have a butt here for just about everybody. But I have a limited number, so you're going to have to throw up your hand quick if you want one. Too busy. I bet most of us can relate. Yes, I am too busy, God. Here's another one. I can relate to this one in this congregation because most of the staff here is way better educated than I am. I'm not smart enough. Whose is this? Here we go. But God, I'm just not qualified. I'm not qualified to do what you're asking me to do. There you go, Jen. But God, oh, this one comes up for me a lot. I might fail. What if I fail, God? Anybody? Diane? But God, I wonder if some people in the choir often think this. Completely without cause, but I bet there's people in the choir who think they aren't talented enough. (laughs) But God, I'm too shy. I'm too shy. Is anyone in the choir too shy? (laughs) But God, I'm wrong. What if I'm wrong? People are going to want to listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Here you go. 
but God. People might think I'm crazy. Anybody? Here we go. But God, I'm scared. But God, I can't do what you're asking me to do because I'm too young. Maybe I'll keep this one. I'm too old. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm sorry. Got it. But I might make a mistake. We are so overwhelmed with our butts. We just don't know what to do about it. When God called me to seminary, all I could think was, but God, I have young children. Do you know me, God? Seminary is way too expensive. But God, what if I don't get in? But I can't move my entire family. But God, my husband, he needs his job. We can't move away from where we, li where we live. And God, have you forgotten that I've always been or felt like an outsider in the church? Like Moses, my butts were out of control. All of my butts, every single one of them really, ended up articulating just in a different form the very first butt that Moses posed. But God, who am I? Who am I? Who am I, God, that you would call me to do anything? Who am I? God calls us beyond the wilderness. God calls us beyond ourselves, beyond all that is familiar, where everything is completely unrecognizable. It's terrifying. Because life as we've always known it is suddenly threatened. Our frontal lobe goes offline, and it's impossible for us to even imagine the possibilities, much less live into them. So we ask, who am I? More to the point, I wonder, at least, in this new reality you're inviting me to live into, who will I become? It's not really a bad question. I think it's a question that we all ask. But the better question, the best question we can ask, is the second question that Moses asks in our reading today. Moses finally gets around to it and he asks God, Who are you? Who are you, God? If I go to the Israelites, who should I tell them sent me? What's your name? It's a really good question. It's the question we all need to be asking. Who are you? Because really, it's only in knowing God that we can ultimately know ourselves because our identities reside in the one who created us. 
Here's what I find really interesting about today's scripture. Over and over and over again, Moses presents his self-doubts, his concerns, his worries, his fears, and God does not respond to Moses' sense of inadequacy with reassurance that he's adequate. God doesn't turn to Moses and say, Moses, it's okay, really. You're a good preacher. Instead, what God does over and over and over again, instead of focusing on who Moses is and what Moses can or can't do, God reveals again and again and again who God is and what God can do. I hear the cries of my people, God says. I know your suffering. I have come down. I've come down here to deliver you. I will be with you. I'm calling you. And I will send you. And I will equip you. Moses was absolutely right. He wasn't prepared to do all the things that God was asking him to do. He didn't have the experience. He certainly did not have the authority or the credibility to compel Pharaoh to emancipate all of his free labor. God gave him the credibility and the authority by displaying acts of power through Moses. You remember all those plagues? When God called me, I was not equipped. I wasn't equipped to be a preacher. I wasn't equipped to be an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church. My most memorable experience up to that point in leading worship was playing Mrs. Ox in the Christmas pageant when I was seven years old. I forgot every single one of my lines and puked all over Mr. Ox. Right there in front of God and everybody. I was not in a hurry to repeat that experience. But God did not seem bothered by that at all. Just one week after that new friend of mine had handed me the book Christian as Minister and told me to read it, which I hadn't, I was in my pastor's office. I had gone there to talk about a particular theological question that I had. It was not the first time he and I had had a conversation like that. After we'd been talking for a while, he got up from his chair, he walked over to his bookshelf, and he pulled out of his bookshelf the exact same book, walked across his office and handed it to me and said, Tracy, you need to read this book. I believe that God is calling you to ordained ministry. You need to pray about it. But God, it's really hard not to freak out when God calls you because God so often calls us beyond the wilderness, so often calls us into unfamiliar territory where all we have to rely on is God. 
But y'all, here's the really great news. Our God is a God that burns for us. When we make ourselves available, God will work in and through us. Even to respond to the cries of those who hurt. Right now, I imagine that God hears loud and clear the cries of all those who have lost so much as a result of Harvey. God knows their suffering, and God is with them. And God calls us to be with them too, to respond. And God knows it's overwhelming and knows we're ill-equipped. God knows that no one of us could respond and fully meet the need that's there. But together, we can make a huge difference. If we just take a breath and we begin to ask the most important question, who are you, God? I am. I am who I am. That's what God says to Moses. I wonder how helpful that was to him, actually. It's confusing. Countless commentators have debated for centuries what it might mean, what the implications are. And ultimately, there aren't any very clear answers. But I hear it as an invitation. I hear it as an invitation to go out beyond the wilderness, to enter into the mystery that is God, and to trust that God is way bigger than my self-doubts, than my questions, than my hesitations. I hear it as an invitation to rest in the mystery that's God and trust that I am is way bigger than our butts. Amen.